Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loyal, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. I want to say hello to all of you tuning in, all of you who write to us or call us, get in touch with us. And again, as always, especially during this time of Lent in which we pursue ascetical disciplines in order to become more charitable, more compassionate, more loving, which of course includes clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, and visiting those who are in prison. We want to say hello to those of you who are in prison, who do listen to us and who write to us, really appreciate that. And especially to our friend Gary, who has completed his prison time, and he is now out, and he contacted me right away, and we had a nice conversation, and we appreciate very much Gary and his faithfulness to our show here, our program, and his letters, all his questions. And we wish him Godspeed. We pray for him, for the best for him now that he has served his time and reconciled with God or whoever he had to reconcile with. And we hope that he will continue to listen in to us here at Light of the East. And hopefully all of you will continue to listen in and give us a shout once in a while. Give us a letter or an email or a phone call or a visit. We really appreciate it, especially in this time now of Lent when we strive to become more and more charitable, more and more loving, more of a sense of community and love and compassion and oneness. That's really what all the rigors of Lent are really about. They're to sort of strip away that part of us which is not real that part of us which is not our true authentic human selves and so we can rise we can rise to our true self and we become people of the resurrection people of love and compassion more christ-like we enter into that mystery of christ you know the dying and the rising the dying to all that is our false self and arising to our true selves which is people of the resurrection there's something coming up that comes up from time to time and this is headed off by our 
good friend Jack Fingo. This is the Orientale Lumen Conference, and this is number 15, Orientale Lumen Conference 15. It's called Rome and the Communion of Churches, Bishop, Patriarch, or Pope. Now, this is going to be in Washington, D.C., at the Washington Retreat House, and it's going to be June 20th to the 23rd of this year, at 2011. I want to read to you from the brochure that I have from Orientale Lumen, because it really explains very vividly and hopefully you'll be very excited when you hear this, because I was, it explains very vividly what this actually is about. In other words, this conference, what it is, and who's going to be there, and, and why. They're always great conferences, but I think this one is going to be particularly interesting, because it's talking about something that's really at the heart of the problem that divides still a lot of the Eastern lung of the Church and the Western lung. In other words, the Orthodox Christians and the Roman Catholic Church. Here's what the brochure says. Again, this is Orientale Lumen from... Washington, D.C., June 20th to the 23rd, 2011. This is what it says, the overview. The Society of St. John Chrysostom, Eastern Church's Journal, Eastern Christian Publications, and the Oriental Lumen Foundation announce a popular and scholarly conference for laymen, laywomen, religious, and clergy entitled Oriental Lumen the 15th. Now, the theme for this year's conference will be Rome and the Communion of Churches, Bishop, Patriarch, or Pope. There's a, there's a question mark after that. Now, it's open to the public, but it requires pre-registration. The conference will provide an opportunity for Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, Eastern Catholics, and Oriental Orthodox to gather, discuss, and learn about their respective traditions. It will include presentations by scholars and theologians, liturgical celebrations of many varieties, and opportunities for everyone to learn from each other and participate in a dialogue of love and understanding. Now, there are sample videos from past conferences, which you can view by going to oltv.tv. That's oltv.tv. What's going to happen there is each speaker will discuss the conference theme of Rome and the communion of churches, bishop, patriarch, or pope, from the perspective of his or her own tradition and expertise. So they will review various aspects of the ecclesiology of the Orthodox and Catholic churches, especially related to the role of the office of pope. And see, that's really where the discussion comes down. That's the hinge pin issue right now between East and West. It's the place of the Pope. A special closing session will review and discuss the recent Vision of Unity document produced by the North American Orthodox Catholic Consultation. Each plenary will conclude with a limited discussion period among the speakers and questions from the audience. Now, all these talks are actually printed up as papers, and all the papers presented will be published and provided to all attendees in a proceedings book after the conference. A special booklet will be prepared for full participation in the liturgical services. Open and closing remarks will be provided by the moderator and conference host and other church hierarchs. Audio and video recordings of all plenary sessions and liturgical services will be made available after the conference through OLTV. Now, an interesting thing about this conference is this. This year, for the first time, the Orientime Lumen Conference will be broadcast live through an online video webcast. The opening and closing sessions, all plenary lectures and panel discussions will be viewable online during the conference for just $50 per person. The viewers will be able to send email questions to the moderator at the conference site for the panel discussions. Well, that should be interesting. You get to, you get to ask a question while you're listening. Register for this access and a user ID and password will be sent to you by email two weeks before the conference. And also it says if sufficient webcast registrations are not received by June 1st to cover the setup costs, the webcast will be canceled 
and a full refund will be sent to anyone who registered for it. So sign up now and tell your friends. You could actually participate, even from your own home, in this great Orientable Lumen 15 conference from anywhere in the world, your home office or parish anywhere. Now, to find out information and to register for this great conference, go to olconference.com. That's olconference.com. Now, some of the speakers are Metropolitan Jonah from the Orthodox Church in America, Metropolitan Callistus. Oh, he's always a, a great draw, famous, great speaker, very colorful. Our commander, like Robert Taft, one of the biggest names in many, you know, over the years, one of the biggest names in Byzantine liturgical theology, Father Robert Taft. He, he's a must listen to. Monsignor Michael McGee, chairman and professor of systematic theology at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary. Father Ron Roberson, you've probably heard his name on Light of the East too. Father Ron Roberson does wonderful work. I call him kind of like the, the spy, the spy from the Roman Catholic Church spying on the Eastern Catholic Churches. I said it in quotes. He does this marvelous job of keeping everyone appraised of actually what's happening, what's happening in the Eastern Churches all over the world. So you, you want to Tune in to Father Ron Roberson's work. If you ever can get a hold of his work or get in touch with him or listen to him speak. So he'll be at this conference, Father Ron Roberson. He is the Associate Director of Ecumenical Affairs for the United States Bishops. Also, Sister Vasa Larin, and she is a Russian Orthodox nun from the Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia. Dr. Adam DeVille, who is Assistant Professor, University of St. Francis, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and editor of Logos. So it's really quite an esteemed group of people here and speakers. Now, the reason I'm spending a lot of time talking about this is because this is an opportunity, and especially now that you can listen to it online, to really get some incredible information about what is the salient issue that still divides the Eastern Orthodox churches and the Roman Catholic Church. Now, remember, I am an Eastern Catholic, so we are not in the divide, as it were, we were once part of the Eastern Orthodox churches. That was after the Great Schism in 1054. But then parts of the Eastern Orthodox churches, parts of them, reunited with Rome starting in the 15th and 16th centuries. And that's what forms what we know today as the Eastern Rites of the Catholic Church, or the Eastern Catholic churches, of which there's many. Mine is the Byzantine Catholic Church of the Ruthenian jurisdiction. I know that's kind of complicated. The East tends to be complicated. But that's how the church is. But basically, it boils down to an eastern and western lung, as it were. Just that we're missing each other's parts a little bit. The east is not in communion with the west fully, and the west is not fully in communion with the east. There are partial reunions. So this Oriental Lumen Conference, which once again, it happens in June in Washington, D.C. That's June 20th to the 23rd, Washington Retreat House in Washington, D.C. And again, that website is olconference.com to register, olconference.com. And you get information on that website, too, about how to tune in online. You can watch it from the comfort of your own home if you can't make the retreat itself. I highly recommend you try to get to this conference. They have these conferences even in places like Turkey, you know, in Istanbul, which, of course, was the seat of the Byzantine church when it was Constantinople, and before that, Byzantium. But they also have them in the United States to make it more accessible for those of you who couldn't go abroad. And it's a marvelous opportunity to get a very intensive, rich immersion into the Eastern churches, and especially this particular issue. Many people ask me, well, Father Tom, what still divides the East and the West, the Orthodox from the Roman Catholics? What are the issues? Well, there are a number of issues, but really the hinge pin issue is this whole place of the Pope and this 
topic of infallibility and all that that means. We're going to talk more about this conference, also about what's happening now during this fifth week of Lent. We're deep, deep into Lent now in the Eastern churches in particular. So we're going to talk about all that when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Can you imagine living a life without love, marriage, intimacy, sex, having children, or friendship? Of course not. I am Father Thomas Loya with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. Why do we desire these things so much? It is because God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a union and communion of persons who united himself with us in what the Scripture describes as a mystical marriage, a fruitful self-giving. Scripture also says that we are made in God's image and likeness, so we too are called to become a union and communion of persons in fruitful self-giving. This is why we cannot imagine living without marriage, intimacy, sex, having children, and friendship. Pope John Paul II said in his Theology of the Body that these are the very things that make us most like God. To find out more about the Theology of the Body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You're listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loy. In the first part of our program, I was talking quite a bit about the Orientama Lumen Conference that's coming up June 20th to the 23rd at the Washington Retreat House, Washington, D.C. And again, you can find out about that or register for it at olconference.com, olconference.com. And I've been pushing this a lot because it's going to deal with 
the hinge pin issue of all issues that still divides the Eastern Orthodox churches from the Roman Catholic Church. And that is really the place of the Pope and his jurisdiction and so on. This whole idea of universal jurisdiction uh, versus local church ecclesiology of the East uh, and papal infallibility, uh, this place of what patriarch really means, what it means to the East, what it means to the West, how the papacy has evolved in the last millennium, how the Eastern churches see the papacy, how they see that evolvement of the papacy, how they see it in the last thousand years. Uh, do they accept it? Do they think it should be different? You know, they've been kind of out of the picture in a sense. In other words, they haven't been a part of a lot of the dialogues because the East and West in the last thousand years have been split apart. So the question is, how do we really see each other? How do they see the development of the papacy from the perspective of the East? And how does the West present or justify or articulate what's happened to the papacy. So this would be really a fascinating conference and one that brings together, as always, at these conferences, some very esteemed speakers, very famous and fascinating speakers. But you know what? Above all, though, it's just a great time to get together. It's such a great bunch of people, and they come together in kind of a microcosm of the way it should be. You have people from the Roman Catholic Church, the Orthodox Churches, the Eastern Catholic Churches, all getting along like family, like good old buddies. I mean, it's just it's just a nice, warm, wonderful kind of gathering. A lot of these people have gathered with each other through all of these conferences through the years and at other venues as well. They all love and respect each other. They pray together. They get along famously. They respect the areas that, of course, that still divide us. They have to. But other than that, it's just one big spiritual, liturgical, ecclesiological, theological love-in. So I <laughs> I highly recommend it. I know I'm putting a lot of time in this, but I'm very excited about it. And I'm excited about it for you, for all of you, because it's accessible now, very accessible. If you tune in, you let me know. I will grant you from the Light of the East Institute here, quote unquote, I'm going to grant you an honorary doctorate in Eastern Christian spirituality. How's that? You'll get an honorary doctorate from me if you attend these conferences live, and I'll give you an honorary master's degree if you attend them online. How's that? Okay, let me know. Just call me at 708-645-0241. Okay, I think I've made my point, so <laughs> I'm excited and I hope you are too. But I'm also excited about what's happening at this time in the liturgical calendar of the Byzantine Church in this deep, deep part of Lent. We focus this Sunday on an interesting person, a, a woman. Her name is Mary of Egypt. And you may have heard about her. You heard her marvelous story. Those of you who attended the Canon of St. Andrew Creed at my church this past week, because we read the canon, we read the story of, of Mary, which is a very moving story. Boy, I'll tell you, I think Hollywood would give the right arm for this story. It's, it's, it's a magnificent story, especially when she is found in the desert. The story is this. St. Mary of Egypt was a young lady who actually was living a very dissolute life. She was basically a prostitute. And her story talks in detail about how she used to just dominate and use men. And they were like sport for her because she was so good at enticing them and using them. She thought nothing of it. They were like conquests. But then one day, out of curiosity, she follows these pilgrims into Jerusalem. She goes from Alexandria, which is in northern Africa, to Jerusalem. And she wants to enter the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And some force keeps her from entering while the other pilgrims were able to go in. And she tries again and again, and it kept her out. And she felt very, very rejected, of course, and she went out and she wept bitterly, and she decided to then cry out to the Blessed Mother. And she tried one more time after that to enter the church, and she was able to do it. 
Well, after she was in the church and praying, recovered herself, she went off into the deserts, way off into the desert, and she lived there for 47 years until she was finally found by a priest, actually, wandering around, and his name was Zosimus. He was an ascetic, a monk, and when he found her, they had this incredible conversation about how in the world she came to this type of life. In fact, he found her kind of emaciated from all her fasting and asceticism. She was basically naked. And she spoke to him about her life and what happened. And then she asked him to please come back next year at this time, which was on Holy Thursday, but this time to bring her Holy Communion. And he went and brought her Holy Communion that following year. And after that, she died. She had not had the body and blood of Christ for all these years. She went off for 47 years, feeling unworthy, and did this extreme penance, became very holy. And in her literally in her last breath, she received upon her lips the body and blood of Christ. And then she passed on. And she's become a model to us in the Eastern Church, especially during Lent, not only of a great ascetic, but also a model of penitence, of repentance. See, last Sunday we had St. John Climacus. We had the men. He was an example of asceticism. And now we have the women, an example from womanhood, and that is St. Mary of Egypt, a profound example of asceticism. And of this great deep desire that is really in every single woman, what every single woman really, really wants is what Mary ultimately wanted. She wanted intimacy with our Lord, which of course ultimately comes through the Eucharist. And she just didn't know that until she converted, like many girls today, many women today. She sought to salve, to fill, to fulfill that deep longing for Christ. She sought to fulfill it through human means, through human beings, through men, you know, to grow close to men or to use men, to engage in them sexually and so on, was her way of experiencing this intimacy in a very distorted way. And then eventually she found, after her tears of repentance, she found that her real desire was unity with Christ and ultimately on this earth through partaking of his actual body and blood in the form of the bread and the wine, the consecrated bread and wine. That was her heart's desire. It was the last thing she wanted and had on this earth. And then she passed on into, into eternal life and is proclaimed a great saint in the Eastern Church today. So we focus on her today. And also during this week, we basically end Lent, per se, in the Eastern churches. We ran the course of the 40 days, and we will begin then another special week of very strong ascetical fasting and repentance. That is Holy Week or Great Week, also known as the Week of the Bridegroom. But in between those two weeks, a very strict and serious repentance and fasting, you know, asceticism, in between those, we have two little days, two important days really, of joy, of triumph. They're kind of like little foreshadowings of the whole point of our asceticism. They're foreshadowings of what it all is about, where it's all headed. And that is, on Saturday, we call it the Saturday of Lazarus. On this day, we read the Gospel of Lazarus, that magnificent narrative where Christ raises Lazarus from the dead. And one of the reasons we do is because this Gospel presents to us the two natures of Christ. It's very clear in the gospel that he mourns, he sheds tears for his good friend Lazarus. 
And Lazarus' sisters are a little bit angry at Jesus. Why did you let him die? You know, you were, you were coming our way. You were coming into our town. You knew he was sick, but you let him die. You hesitated. So there's a great human drama in this, a great human narrative. Of course, Christ tells him, I know, I know he was sick, but I let him die so that I could make the work of God known through this. And sure enough, he did. In front of all the people, he raises Lazarus from the dead. So he shows his human nature and his divinity all at the same time. And this, of course, is what's going to be revealed a week later on the cross, where he reveals his human suffering, even human death, which he took on for us. But that will be triumphed over by his divinity. So we get a little hint of that in this day of Lazarus Saturday. Then the following day, the day after, of course, is Sunday. And this is considered to be what we sometimes call Flowery Sunday in the Byzantine Church, or, of course, Palm Sunday, another day of triumph of our Lord who comes into Jerusalem, mounted on a colt, which in the prophets like Zechariah, Zephaniah, meant, it was like a little hint there, Christ was purposely on the colt of a donkey because it meant in the early prophecies that the ruler, the prince, would enter the town riding on a colt, which is a symbol of peace, a prince of peace. See, Christ was very, very purposeful. Remember, he told the apostles, go and get me a colt that is tied up. You'll know what it is when, when you see it, when the owner's there. Just tell them that the master needs it. He was very specific. He didn't come on a white horse with a sword. He came on a colt, symbolic of his humility. He's a prince of peace. And yet, in that peace is his power. So we have two days of triumph, and then we go deep into the dark days of Christ's passion and death, but only to once again come into his ultimate triumph of the resurrection. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, Catholic Radio International.com.